Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. Thank you, Scott. Hello, everybody. Welcome aboard Must Read Alaska, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. Hey, we're the place for very conservative news and content. We're standing up for the Constitution, for a strong America, a free Alaska, and especially all of the rights that you have as an American. We're always fighting for your constitutional rights. You can find Must Read Alaska on our website, mustreadalaska.com, and on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. And do me a favor, and be sure to leave a review and give us a rating. I'm Suzanne Downing, and you can also find my column at newsmax.com, where I have a column about once or twice a month. Hey, and today we have a, our special host, which is guest host, which is um, Scott Levesque, who's a, normally our producer, is sitting in today for John Quick. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Suzanne. Excited to be here. It's always fun to be on the Monday edition of the Must Read Alaska podcast. Yes, and for those who listen, thank you for listening so much. And also, you can hear scott every wednesday where he hosts the show by himself because he is that good and i get so many good comments about your show on wednesday people are always saying you have the greatest voice and you've got such a great (laughs) sense of humor and you've got such good perspectives people love listening to the show on wednesday folks if you're not listening to the show on wednesday that's the good show this one this one's just no (laughs) no no true no (laughs) hey before before we get going everybody i if you can go on and give us a review, that would be great. If you can, you know, give us a five-star rating, that would be even better. We would love that. And it really encourages us. And I think we're up to like over 23,000 downloads now, and we're really doing well with our, with our audience. I'm just so excited and happy that people are listening to this show. And today, Scott, you know, I changed this up a, a few minutes ago. Uh, I sent you a kind of a new outline for what I wanted mm. to talk about today, right? Yeah, absolutely. And we got a lot to you, talk about. I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but here we go. Mm. So today, the, the Senate Democrats, they unveiled a $3.5 trillion budget resolution. And this is essentially uh, President Biden's New Deal. And it's in some ways also his Green New Deal. And it is a monster. I mean, if you've, if you've, I don't have a chance to read it, and probably nobody else has either. But it's going to take them months, Scott, to actually get through this piece. And so the Senate Democrats sent out a little cheat sheet, and I happened to get it, about what's <laughs> in this plan. And I think that everybody in Alaska needs to know what's in this plan. This is what, you know, we've got this infrastructure bill that they're negotiating still, and they're trying to they'll probably get voted on today. We'll talk about that in a minute. But in this bill, they're going to have a lot of stuff that is going to cost $3.5 trillion. And here's what here's some of the things it does. Bullets. It extends the child care tax credit and creates a free universal pre-K, which is pre-kindergarten, this is preschool, essentially. In other words, the government is going to take care of your child from, from preschool on kind of um, an interesting concept, Scott. 
I, mm -hmm. and once we take kids away from their parents in those early years, you know, that's just a thing. Some people do okay with that. And some people may, maybe you don't want to give your, your kid up to the government that early. They have um, paid family and medical leave in this. I haven't seen the details of any of that. And now get this tuition free community college. Here we go. Mm -hmm. Here we go. Here we go. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, well, first of all, uh, I mean, those are just four bullet points you read in. And the first thing I thought of is 3.5 trillion. Who's footing that bill? Mm -hmm. And also, again, let's just go with the creating universal pre-K. Does that include or preclude private Christian schools? Oh, no, does no, that no, only no. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> That's not what the government does. Huh? No, well, I'm is, just saying. This is, this is government preschool. Okay, that's well, that's what I'm saying is that now, you know, parents are going to have instead of having control of the money that they're putting into the tax realm, and then taking that money that the government's shelling out to everybody, and having the opportunity to say, okay, well, if we're going to do this, then I want to send my kid to name any other school other than a, oh. a public preschool. Well, let's Why just say would Anchorage Christian School? Anchorage Christian let's just School. Say that one. Just say yeah, it. Yeah, let's, just say it. Okay. Uh, Anchorage Christian School, where they have a phenomenal pre-K um, curriculum and all that. And there's a lot of parents that would love to send your kids to, you know, ACS, but don't have the opportunity one way or another. Does this universal pre-K extend to private or private Christian or alternative schools? Again, it's all in the wording, right? And this is where we get stuck. We get stuck with the bullet points. We don't actually get down to the, the weeds because yeah. it's boring. It's boring. Yeah. It is boring. You're right. Absolutely. It is boring. And that's a, and that's the problem with most Americans. They're trying to take care of their preschool kids. And, and yeah. I have no problem with preschool. I actually had my son in a preschool when he was a young one kid. I had, it was a cooperative preschool. We all had to um, contribute 20 or 30 hours a month to sort of setting up, cleaning up, taking, you know, providing food. It was a cooperative preschool in Juneau. It was really good. And, and, uh, he went uh, a couple hours, a couple times a week. So, it, it, but preschool, preschool is not for everybody. And, it, and certainly it is um, not free, but right. apparently they're going to tax us and make it free. Now there's some other things in here that are interesting. So you've got preschool that, that going to yep. put all the, and then you've got all the way through community college. Then after you get out of community college, maybe you go into a, a four years, a program or something, but after you get out of school, that's when you start paying for this stuff because your taxes are going to be so high. They've also got um, something in here where they're lowering pres prescription drug costs. And I don't know of the details of that. That will be really interesting. Does that mean the government is going to start negotiating with the um, big pharma to lower the cost of drugs? If so, you can see a lot. You can see big pharma looking for a way to make money on that. They'll just find ways to get more drugs out there. Right. Um, Medicare expansion. Okay, this is great. Every, everybody 65 years or older is forced to be on Medicare, whether or not you like it, you are on Medicare, or if not, you're on Medicaid if you're a low income. Right. And um, they're going to expand that to include dental, hearing, and vision coverage. That's no small thing. That's huge. Oh, it's not. It's not. It's not at all. And again, it goes to the fact that it, it's soup to nuts. Really, you are, you are benefiting, but also in your years of, of making an income paying Oh, yeah. for a lot of this stuff and whether it's free to college free community college tuition which i was in i was in the higher education game and let me tell you it's expensive 
the, mm-hmm. I mean, just look at Alaska state subsidies when it comes to the UAA system. Mm-hmm. It's expensive. We're the second highest state in the country that gives money to the state college system. And that includes UAA to KPC and all the subsidiaries of, of that system. And it's not cheap. It is a large budget item in our state. And now we're going to say that community colleges across the nation that mostly run off of state money are now going to be free. So the tax burden on the state is going to increase, which means what? Well, places like Wyoming, Montana, Alaska, which don't house multi-million billionaires are going to have to put that all on the middle to middle upper class and middle lower class families, which again, it's amazing to me This is where, again, being in the details is so important because this was Biden's and Kamala Harris's stomping ground. We are trying to get American middle working class families back on top. And that couldn't be farther from the truth with this bill right now. I mean, it's very simple without even knowing the extent underneath these bullet points. These families. I got more for you. I got more. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So. They're, they're, okay, remember I said they're going to expand to dental, hearing, and vision coverage. And get this, they're going to lower the age for Medicare. This is where we go into, this is essentially universal health care, government paid health care. They're lowering mm-hmm. the age for Medicare. I don't know what it is, but it's 65 now. And so what are they going to lower it to 60? Then they're going to expand Obamacare. So I, I Oh, the Affordable Care Act is going to be expanded. I don't know how much more you can expand it. I mean, in other words, we are looking at closing the gap entirely. So we're going to probably, through this, eliminate the private insurer market because there really won't be any incentive for, for businesses to provide health insurance for their workers at, at this point. Expanding the Affordable Care Act, I mean, how much more can we take in terms of, of paying as taxpayers, uh, you know, they're going to also have major funding here for climate and energy programs. So this is where we don't see the details yet because mm. it's a yeah. huge document, thousands of pages, and it's a um, it's the Green New Deal stuff that's going to be crammed in for sure, hundred percent, hundred percent. Then they they've got um, they've got immigration and border security, and of course that's important. I don't know. It, why they all of a sudden decided that's important, but they have let millions of immigrants over the border since since Biden became president. It's in absolute floodgates over the southern border. And now they're going to talk about immigration and border security. It is absolutely <laughs> laughable that they care about it at all. And I, so I can't wait to see what that is. Of course, I wanted to say that this, um, this is establishing a universal pre-K for three and four-year-olds and a new child care benefit for um, for working families. It extends the largest tax cut for families with children ever. And so if you have children, you're gonna get an automatic tax credit. And it increases the Pell Grant awards for people going to college where they get indoctrinated. Now, I don't know why anybody at this point would send their kids to most colleges. I'd send them to trade school or nursing school or medical school, but you know, why send them to a liberal arts school? They're just gonna turn your children into a little uh, communist minions. And then it it um, it puts uh, this. I'm, I'm reading through some of the details here. It creates a clean electricity payment program. It creates coastal and ocean resiliency programs. This is just ways to hire more people, like Tracy Stone Manning. And it provides in my environmental justice and climate resilience. And it electrifies the federal vehicle fleet and buildings, which 
I don't know how that's going to work in Alaska. I know that they've got a bunch of electric buses that they want to send up here and electric. I mean, even the city of Anchorage was is looking into electric garbage trucks, which makes no sense at all, because in the wintertime, they only run for about 20 minutes and you have to drive them back to the shop and charge them up for 24 hours. It's completely ridiculous in um, our climate. It's not a way to lower your footprint when there's trash all over the place because the trucks can't pick it up. And that's kind of what it's looking at. Um, then, you know, we'll be, well, I'm going to look into this some more in a story that I'll be doing probably tonight. So you can look at Must Read Alaska for that. But I wanted to mention this is in addition to the $1.1 trillion spending plan that is for the infrastructure bill, which I'm a little bit leery of because I know the Democrats are in charge of it. I know Chuck Schumer is in charge of it. So without knowing everything that's in it, I will just say that they are planning to add a requirement for breathalyzers in every new vehicle sold in America. Time out. Did you just say a breathalyzer in a cars that for people who have either not even touched alcohol or don't have any particular past uh, record of a DUI or otherwise? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. And, and I was a little bit leery about this claim because you see a lot of stuff on social media and it flies by and it's, it seems reasonable. It seems like, okay, that's what they're doing, but is it really what they're doing? Yes, it is. And I've got the text of the bill in front of me. It mandates that the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration must create rules mandating that alcohol monitoring systems be required for all new cars. And it doesn't say breathalyzers exactly, but it describes them. In other words, I think breathalyzer might be a trademark. But yeah. it describes them. It's a passively monitor the performance of a driver of a motor vehicle to accurately identify whether a driver may be impaired and prevent or limit limit motor vehicle operation if an impairment is detected. Okay, uh, you know, and it goes on. That's a breathalyzer. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's that's almost textbook definition of what a breathalyzer is for sure. Yeah. The other thing they don't tell you, uh, I know some people. Uh, some friends of mine who have had some issues with alcohol in the past, when they install a breathalyzer into your vehicle, it's not a one-time pass, my friend. It's not you breathe into it, the car starts once you pass, and then it's just you can ride into the distance. You actually have to continually breathe into that breathalyzer to continue the car moving. While you're, while you're driving? Correct. Are you kidding me? No. State of, state of Washington, for sure. You have to <laughs> continually breathe into her from a specific amount of time for sure hmm. because what they're trying to do is prevent people from just keeping their car running and ah, drinking. i see so and so, so and, and so you get in your car you go to the store and then you have to get back in your car you have to hit the breathalyzer again and then you go to the gas station you put some gas in your car and then you have to get back in your car and then hit the breathalyzer again i mean every time you start that car for sure you're absolutely to do it and then and while you're driving it yeah the technology also is not as advanced as we'd all like it to be where it's immediate and quick and easy. Uh, that's not the case at all. And again, I've seen these things working out. So uh, this is this is absolutely insane. Uh, it's it's. So what's the point? I guess is the question. Like while the sun are they taking up this breathalyzer or you know, uh, advanced drunk and impaired driving prevention technology? I guess is the the cute words for it. Um, I don't know, but this also what it does is it opens up in my mind, a slope to now where the government is in control of how you operate your life in terms, and in, in more specifically for those in rural and non-urban areas, how you function in driving and getting mm -hmm. to your job, how do you function in getting to places that you need? It, it's almost a restrictor more than anything else. And 
frankly unnecessary. Like why why is this the mantra that we're all that the that this bill is deciding to jump on? I, I'm, well, I'm not sure. Well, in the first first place, I think that there's probably a lobbyist involved here somewhere. Somebody who is lobbying for this technology is successful in getting this rammed through. And you, when you look at some of these people who have gone into government and they come out of government absolutely fabulously wealthy, and you got to wonder where they made their money. Like, look at the Obamas. I mean, how did they make their money? I mean, Michelle Obama wasn't working for years and years and years. I mean, many, many years she didn't work. And Barack Obama was just the president. And so he was making 150, 200,000 a year. And that wasn't enough to buy that $11.6 million estate on Martha's Vineyard. Some of these, some of these guys, like Nancy Pelosi, she's been in government all her life, and she is a fabulously wealthy billionaire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, so, and so I have a feeling there are some lobbyists involved here. There's probably some kickbacks. I have a feeling that there's some corruption involved here. You, you start putting breathalyzers in every, in every new car. This is a, a huge cost to Americans. And this sort of forces people out of their cars and into public transportation. And I Absolutely. That might be sort of where they're going with it. Let's put mm -hmm. everybody on buses because they can't afford to, to buy cars anymore. Well, it also brings people back to the urban setting, right? Yeah. So you, you can't live out in, we'll just use Alaska, for example. I mean, it's going to be difficult or frustrating to live out in Wasilla or Palmer or even Eagle River or Chugiak and then commute in uh at this point i mean that that's an inconvenience so it, listen the whole thing you've you've gone through a lot of different things suzanne in this process of talking about this and yeah. the one thing that keeps coming to my head is this we are creating a society right now and and i'm not trying to be this is not a, a conspiracy theory this is just my son's five so i'm thinking mm -hmm. like this we are creating a time where children from birth all the way up through they get out of college, they enter the workforce. Now we don't know when, you know, the lower eligibility of Medicare is essentially they're going to be accustomed to the government providing them with innumerable programs and opportunities that do not come without a red tag or some mm. sort of back end to that. Mm. And that's the scary part of this is that we are, we are enabling the government now to be in every part of our life. So the two questions are what happens to those who partake in it? And then more importantly, what happens to those who don't want to partake in it? Mm -hmm. and, and where are those two divides happen? What is going to happen to those two people uh, mm -hmm. are, are those situations? And to me, that's the scary part, because if you don't want to be a part of this, what's the penalty? What's yeah. going to be the, the repercussions from you saying, you know what? The libertarians out there, you don't have to be a Republican. You don't have to be a conservative. You, you libertarians out there. What's going to happen when the government steps in and says, hey, we're lowering the age to 50. So that's going to decentivize your workforce, mm -hmm. your, your company from giving you health care up to 55. They're going to, mm -hmm. what they're going to do is say, Hey, workers, once you hit 50, we're done. We're out. Yeah. The so government now, gets you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now the government gets you. Now what happens? And I'm just assuming it's 50. It could well, be 55. So I think that Go ahead. Well, if it's 65 now, they're going to lower it. We'll have to see. All that will be negotiated. But this is an obscene package. And, you know, we don't have a lot of time to get, you know, this president is in for the next three and a half years. Or, or if it's not him, it's Kamala Harris, and that might even be worse. 
We don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time to unwind this. We might be able to unwind some things next year. But once you give these entitlements, the government can never take them away. We've seen that in the court system. You can give entitlements. You simply can't take them away. And so uh, you know, this is this is I want to go back to this thing about these cars, and these breathalyzers. It's going to cost Americans a lot of money. We can't even get vehicles right now because the the supply chain is so poor, and yet you are going to actually be putting more costs on cars. So the older cars, the used cars, are going to be at a premium. Oh I mean, my goodness! Yeah. So in in other words, we're going to be holding our cars together with <laughs> bubble gum and bailing wire because we won't be able to get a new car. They'll you know go from instead of thirty thousand base price, they're going to go to forty thousand base price, and that. And so that, that drives things like inflation and all of this stuff drives things like inflation. Can we talk a little bit about a local topic before we yeah. go? It's yeah. just this, this Nick Little League team that went down to San Bernardino. I just want to mention them for a minute here. This is a team that has so much heart. These, these boys played so hard this season. And last week they won the state championship for the 10 to 12 year old little leagues. And they went off to the Northwest regionals, which is being held in San Bernardino, California. They got down there on Thursday and they had to fly early because of the distance. And yep. they're, they're in a, a, the Northwest region, which is uh, Washington, Oregon, Wyoming, Idaho, uh, Montana, and Alaska. And they, they play there they have their playoffs there and then the winners are two teams out of that division go to the world championship you know it goes to the little yeah. league world so they sh they arrive on thursday they do their covid test because they all have to do their covid test down there and then they go you know probably hit the pool and, and have some fun and then on friday one of the kids test comes back positive and they get a, a letter from little league international saying your team is disqualified Hmm. Unbelievable. And the, and the entire team went all the way to, you know, they, they have played all season so hard. They got to San Bernardino, one kid test positive. He has no symptoms. He's completely asymptomatic. And the entire team is disqualified. And it's, it's just so sad for these boys. Now, I remember my son in Little League and, um, you know, what camaraderie it is. And you play to win and you learn character. Yeah. You, you learn so much and absolutely it was just robbed from them so they they ended up having to forfeit to the wyoming team that they were to play today now here's where it gets really cruel since they arrived early took their test early the rest of the teams arrived on friday and they took their tests on friday and the test didn't come back saturday didn't come back sunday so they got to play all weekend right. and but our team because they had to arrive early got to forfeit and it's just um i just want to throw up just a, a my heart goes out to you you guys down the uh the eagle river little league community i know you are a great team and you went to play you went to win you went to ha have a, a chance of a lifetime you know scott this is there are no do-overs on this one it's no there isn't of, yeah and also here's the problem I remember Little League as a kid. And now I didn't go to the Little League World Series. Our teams didn't win. But like you said, there's a lot of fun. Kids, you know, I feel like sports. I grew up playing sports. Sports builds character in you. It builds sure. a lot of things in you. 
So as an adult, you're able to handle things. In my mind, sports helps you prepare to be conservative at some point. Sure. But here, here's the problem. You're absolutely right. First of all, it's unfair the way that these things, this testing procedure happened. The second thing is, is why couldn't we exclude that one child, which would have been devastating for him and his team would have totally missed him because that's how teams work sure. and then got rapid tests for the rest of the group. Like, right. why couldn't we do that? Well, right. th there's no really good excuse for that other than we just didn't want to do it. That's what it seems like. And this to me is the problem with testing as it has right now. Uh, you, you know, if one tests positive, that mean, doesn't necessarily mean everybody tests positive. So yeah, now nobody, you're- Nobody else did. No, and, and so that's the problem. And it, it just sucks. Like this is, it's a tough lesson to learn for these kids that are 10 to 12 oh. years old that life's unfair and you don't always get the 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 long end of the stick. You might get the short end of it, but yeah, man, well, these kids also, work we're hard. Also, we're, we're growing some some young conservatives in this group. I hope I hope they get Absolutely. that lesson out of it, which is that government policy really does have impacts. And of course, this is little league policy. And I think that little league international probably has some soul searching to do if they're going to put the kids through stuff like this, where kids actually forfeit their right to even play. And we don't know that that was a, a false positive. I know that up to 16% of the tests can come back false positive. It just, it really depends. Um, you know, they, the whole team was down there. None of the parents got it. None of the, the other family members have it, just this one kid. And I guess if I were them, I would have said, you know, that's really going to be a tough break for this one kid. He's going to have to sit it out. But it's an even tougher break if that one kid finds out that it's him and that entire team had to forfeit because of him. He'd never get over that kind of thing. That'd be no. that way way on him. That's too much burden for a child. Absolutely. So. And, and to add insult to injury, did the stay in California as well? Yeah. Yeah. Like that's just brutal. Yeah. So um, uh, I, just before we go, let's talk about uh, the Bill Walker spotting down there in uh, Ketchikan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Bill that's... Walker, our former governor, Mm -hmm. spotted with his former uh, chief of staff, Scott Kendall, who is sort of the one, the person behind the scenes trying to make sure he uh, runs for governor again after his disastrous you know, four years that he had. And they were down at the Waterfall Resort for the annual Murkowski family breast cancer fundraiser. It's a fishing tournament and they have dinner and stuff. And down there with him was, a, a, there was a guy there from Chicago who is a specialist. He's a lawyer and specialist in ranked choice voting. So mm -hmm. all the Murkowski contingent was there. The, the Walker contingent was there. You bet there was some side conversations going on about ranked choice voting and how that's gonna affect the Lisa Murkowski race and also the race for governor. So Murkowski uh, herself was back in Washington, D.C., but, uh, but uh, her sort of her, I guess, surrogates were there. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, her team. And so we, we see um, what we see Bill Walker on the move a lot more. We saw him at the Don Young fundraiser last week and the week before that he made a big splash up in Palmer. He's sort of touring the state. He's talking to people. And um, he's got Scott Kendall with him, which is interesting. He, and Jim Lotzfeld was there, who's a big political strategist, has always worked on the Murkowski campaign. He's always worked on um, you know, mainly left-wing campaigns. He mm -hmm. works a lot for Democrats. And But we, we also spotted uh, Kelly Chewbacca down in Ketchikan. She's running against uh, Lisa for Senate, and she is... Yeah a uh, you know a conservative republican but she was spotted touring um ward cove with john binkley and uh, if you remember john binkley ran for governor that year 
that yep. Sarah Palin ran and, and between the two of them, uh, they did, uh, you know, Sarah won, um, Frank Murkowski lost in that uh, primary. And, but, but John Binkley owns a new dock down there that he built at Ward Cove and they brought in, they're bringing in the really big ships in there now, the big, uh, it's for big cruise ships. Yeah. And so uh, he was touring around with the Kelly Chewbacca. That was an interesting thing. And I wanted to mention before we go that we are going mm -hmm. to have Kelly Chewbacca on our show next week. So wow. everybody needs to tune in. Yeah. So that'll be fun because we're, you know, she announced <laughs> uh, when March 29th, 30th or so. Around that. So yes. we're, you know, we're just going to do a check-in and see how her campaign is going and see what's up with her. Cause I don't get a chance to see her very often now that she's um, on the campaign trail. I used to see her a lot more now she's all over the state she's meeting people one thing i learned from her um campaign manager is that the people in, in ketchikan are not as familiar with her name they're she's kind of an unknown to them so that that was true all over southeast is that she doesn't have the name recognition in southeast that she needs and so she needs to build that up up here now we're starting to think of it as a household name right, right. yeah i would i would say so i would say that you know kelly's name at least in the anchorage area again and this is where i kind of reside in the valley uh, there's a lot of momentum for her there over Murkowski right now. And of course, um, you know, she's been doing a lot of fundraising. She's been doing a lot of meet greets. I've seen her around town, which has been great. And she looks like she's trying to connect with the everyday Alaskan just to ask him, you know, the questions, you know, the he or she, you know, what's going on in their life. And I think that's, it's a positive move. Um, but it's, it, you know, these sightings, you know, you could tell that the political season is starting to ramp up a little bit. Exactly schmoozing and beating yeah. at these events you know it's yep. the the let's just say this it's good content for musrated alaska oh it's yeah, yeah definitely good content definitely so, good content i have so much to write about it's it's a it's an embarrassment of riches but it's true that you that you're starting to see this now last year we didn't see much of this everybody was um hunkered down you remember we the the streets were deserted the, the shops were closed now they're just simply boarded up and um, this year, the political events are back, and we really started, we're really starting to see some movement. It'll be really interesting to see what uh, Mike Dunleavy, the governor, does next, whether whether or not he announces this summer, or whether he kind of waits and announces later in the fall. I mean, he hasn't told anybody what he's doing, and so I'm going to be watching for smoke signals from his office as well. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, hey. go ahead. No, no, please. I was, I was just going to say... Um, I always say this on the Wednesday podcast, but this is, hey, keep your ear attuned to what's going on. Always, uh, I, I always say on Wednesday, listen, voting is one thing, but being an educated voter is just a completely different thing. And know where these candidates are, because we're coming up to a really important election cycle, both here and for me, for Anchorage, there's a lot going on here. Um, with the assembly oh, yeah. seats and in the 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 long-term effect of that for for the new mayor but also with with our u.s senate seat that's coming up and and, all, and our potential you know governor's race there's a lot of stuff going on here in alaska it might be um feel like alaska can be sleepy but it definitely is not there's always moving and shaking going on 
Yeah, yeah. So pay attention. Hey, everybody, before we go, um, thanks so much, Scott, for, for jumping in here as a co-host. I, I really love it when you do that. And for the rest of the week, everyone, please um, sign up for the Must Read Alaska newsletter. It's over on the right-hand side of the website, mustreadalaska.com, and just drop your email address in there. And basically, I compile everything that's been written in on the website, goes into the newsletter, but there's always stuff in the newsletter that didn't make it onto the website fascinating little nuggets of political news that you won't find anywhere else. So if you'd like to sponsor this podcast and reach hundreds of Alaskans each week, well, just, just give us a holler. Send a note to john at mustreadalaska.com. That's for John Quick, john at mustreadalaska.com. That's where they can advertise. And so thanks, everyone. If you'd like to support this project, be sure to hit the donate button at mustreadalaska.com. And your support allows us to stay strong, independent, and thoughtful against the liberal news media. So, Scott, till next week, I'm signing off. See you on Wednesday. Now.